every time you got off of a ride, there was a cart there with happy cast members that were like, Hey, would you like an ice cream? Would you like a drink? Would you, you know, what can we give you? And they were just, you know, just pushing these things on you. And I was like, Oh, my favorite are the fruit bars. And I was trying to decide, do I want the mango fruit bar? Do I want the strawberry fruit bar? And the cast member was like, you should take both fruit bars and eat them at the same time. Welcome back, everybody, to the DCL Duo podcast. And this evening, we are excited to welcome Greg and Lisa. Greg, Lisa, welcome. Hi, glad to have us here. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Yeah, no, we're excited. So tonight's show, we're going to take a little detour away from Disney Cruise Line, as we are known to do. Uh, (laughs) And we wanted to focus the show on Disney special events. Sam and I have experienced some of those events ourselves, and Greg and Lisa have experienced a number of them as well. So we thought we'd just talk about Disney special events. But before we dive in, as is always the case, we love to start with the Disney background of our various guests. So Lisa, why don't we start with you? You want to talk to folks about what your Disney background is? Well, I grew up in Washington State, so we went when I was younger one time to Disneyland, and that was really exciting. It was a you know a trip of a lifetime. And then right before I deployed to the Balkans in 2000, my parents took my brother and I to Walt Disney World for a two-week vacation. And they were convinced that I would either die on deployment or I would get married, move away, and I would never come home and we would never again have a family vacation. Oh so my gosh. They, <laughs> so they really really did it up big. And that really, really kicked off my, my Disney. I think at that, you know, at that point it was really a a Disney fandom. And when I returned, I started working at the Disney store as a cast member and, and then a few more trips to Disneyland. And then I went back active duty and I'm currently stationed in South Carolina and I'm super close to Disney world. And so I started doing the run Disney events. And I think my obsession has reached, you know, the, the pinnacle of heights. I was an (laughs) annual pass holder one year, even though it's a six hour drive down to Disney world from here. But every time my husband says, let's go somewhere, I say Disney and and I have to temper myself because there's sometimes that he likes to go other places, which I think <laughs> is crazy, but but we do. So I've, I've reached new levels of, of Disney fandom being stationed over here in the Southeast. Well, you're in good company, Lisa. We're annual pass holders at both Disney World and Disneyland, and it's a four-hour flight for us to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> More, five hour. <laughs> five hour flight. G- Greg, you want to talk to us about your Disney background too? Absolutely. So funny enough, my Disney background started before I was even a year old. Oh, wow. We took a trip to the Contemporary. Yeah, this would have been the early 80s. And I don't remember anything about it, of course, but I'm told that my mom turned one of the dresser drawers into very nice sleeping accommodations for me as a young baby. But then really, when I was in high school, we went, we took a couple of trips on spring break. And that's really when it when it kicked in for me. Fast forward about a decade later, this is 2014, my wife and I, we started, we took our two-year-old Quentin to the parks and it really kicked off for us. We just had so much fun with our son and going, the three of us, uh, that we became pass holders. And we've gone at least twice every year since then. We've kind of visited all times a year. We just keep going back as many times as we can and we have a blast. Well, yeah, I think it's just that most Disney fans just find more outlets for their Disney passion. And and Mickey Mouse can cram that giant little gloved hand of his in your pocket really well. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he can. 
Okay, so we're going to talk about special events. I'll let Brian kick this off. Yeah, so as I mentioned up front, our show tonight, we wanted to focus on some of the special events. And so step back and just sort of define that for folks a little bit. Disney has sort of a range of special event offerings, I think almost exclusively upcharge opportunities. Either they are in-park add-on kind of events like dessert parties or things that get you better showings for fireworks displays or parades or that sort of thing around the park, or they are hard-ticketed events events. In some cases, that is an early morning magic kind of event where you're paying extra to get into the park even ahead of rope drop and have access to rides. land. Yeah, certain rides usually. But you're getting into the park early. Usually comes with like breakfast, but the real thing is that you're you're getting access to rides ahead of everybody else, usually in a very small crowd so that you don't have to wait in line. There's also a lot of after hours kinds of events that are hard ticketed events. A lot of them are themed. Some of them are not. So some of times It's just shifting an early morning hard ticketed event into the evening, giving you extra access to the park after it would normally close, usually going into, you know, the midnight or one o'clock in the morning kind of realm. Sometimes they are themed, though. They have like villains nights. They Sam and I did a Pixar pier night at Disneyland, which is another important thing to flag is that they do these events at both the Walt Disney World Resort across many of the theme parks, including some of the water parks do these special events and they do them at Disneyland across both of the parks there. There's another category of special event, which is these events for particular people in the Disney community, meaning pass holders, annual pass holder events. So sometimes they'll do a a special event for annual pass holders. Sometimes that's with a charge. Sometimes it can be without a charge. It just kind of depends. And then the Disney Vacation Club does Moonlight Magic for DVC members, which is actually a free event for DVC. Granted, you've had to pay tens of thousands of dollars to be a DVC member, so not so free. It's included, I think, is the language that some of our other Disney podcast friends like to use. So, and then there's the holiday events. That's one other category that Brian hasn't mentioned yet, which is the Mickey's not so scary Halloween party and the very Merry Christmas something or other party. I don't know. I can't yeah. it's a, yeah. uh, they, those two have such long names, but yeah. the, basically the, the, those are the two main holiday parties. So you can sort of think about it across sort of a early morning or after hours access to the park after hours, like events that are around some sort of theme, Disney really a theme. You can think about it in terms of if you're an annual pass holder or a DVC member having access to certain events. Those are, even if they're free, you have to sort of register for them. Disney's going to cap all of these events and then special events around holiday times to, to sort of celebrate the holiday. Again, they're kind of like after hours events, only holiday themed. So understanding ahead of us, let's dive into Greg and Lisa have a lot of experience. Sam and I have done a few of these events ourselves. So let's, let's dive in there to the topic. Greg, Lisa, which events have you guys been to? Maybe I'll start with Greg this time. Greg, which which events have you been to? Oh, gosh. So we have been to a lot. I was, I was making a list. We've been to both the Halloween party and the Christmas party at Magic Kingdom. We've done dessert parties at Magic Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios. And then we've done both the villains and the regular after hours at Magic Kingdom. And we did the regular after hours at Hollywood Studios. Surprisingly, at Animal Kingdom, we've done nothing. And then last summer, we were there, a two-week trip to Orlando. We did the H2O Glow Nights at Typhoon Lagoon, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. We we haven't talked to anybody who's done any of the water park ones. That's a really interesting event because those are pretty different, I take it, from the others. 
the H2O Glow Nights at Typhoon Lagoon, just the nature of being a water park, a lot different than any other ticketed party that we'd been to. And we normally don't visit the water parks. And so for us, we just spent so much time in the wave pool getting blasted by the giant waves because they, they kept repeating the waves over and over and over again. And we were told that they do the waves more frequent during events, the H2O Glow Nights. We were just constant. I mean, it was kind of exhausting by the end. We probably spent two hours in that pool getting hit by a six foot wave, but it was just... <laughs> one of the funnest memories we have. So Greg, how many events would you say you've been to? Uh, probably, I would say in the dozen, uh, about a dozen range. And Lisa, which, which events have you been to? I'm a little more limited. We have done several of the fireworks parties at the Magic Kingdom. I have done the Animal Kingdom dessert party for the Rivers of Light. And then we have done the Disney After Dark or After Hours ticketed event, as well as the Very Merry Christmas party. Still good, good. You guys, good variety. Between, yeah, between the two of you, you've got a good variety of events going here. And so, Lisa, how many, how many of them have you been to? Do you think? I would think more like six or seven. It's a lot more than Brian and I've been to. <laughs> Which ones have we done? We did after out. Well, we did early morning magic at the Magic Kingdom with our son one time. We did Hollywood Studios after hours event one time, just the two of us. And then we did Pixar Pier Night at Disney's California Adventure. I, yeah. think, that, I think that those That's are the ones it. we've been oh. to. Yeah. Yeah. We have not hit any of the not so scary parties or those sorts of things. So, yeah. My impression is they do a lot more of these events at Disney World than at Disneyland. Although I know they do Disneyland ones because the locals certainly go to those events. But it seems like there's just a lot more and maybe just by virtue of the fact that there's so many more parks. At Disney World, these events occur for like there's a regular cadence of them. Like Moonlight Magic is happening three or four times a year for DVC members. The early morning magic at the Magic Kingdom, they've got a calendar and a schedule that they're marching to. The after hours events got released every two to three months in advance. Now they shut them down for a period of time at Hollywood Studios because of the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening and not having the scheduling availability to to do those events there. But there's a, I mean, you can go to Disney World's website and just start booking out months in advance, which interesting is unlike other things at Disney World that you're booking six months out, 180 days out, th- you know, 90 days out, the after hours events can come up kind of close, almost really last minute in some cases. So start with Lisa. Lisa, how did you find out about these events? How'd you learn about them? I found out about the after hours event when we were doing a yellow ribbon event for the military down in Orlando. At that point, I had gotten an annual pass because we did a yellow ribbon event every single month. And occasionally we would get to stay, it would be contracted that we would get to stay in the Swan and Dolphin, which would mean that I was entitled as being in the room that I could go into just normal early hours and the late hours by virtue of having a room in the Swan and Dolphin. And because I was working during the day, I couldn't go to the park and I just wanted that extra time. And I had heard about the event. And so one one weekend that we were down there for a military event, I went ahead and bought tickets for us to be able to go and do that. And it was fabulous. It was the best thing I think I've ever done at Disney. Which which was your first event then? Which was that one? That was my, the Disney after hours in the Magic Kingdom. And it was actually, I believe it was one of the very first ones they had ever done. It was, it was a pretty new thing. It was before Universal started doing their meetups and it was the first, the first one um, that Disney had done. So we, we got it right out of the gate and just really had a really fun, fabulous experience with it. What was open? Was it most of the park or the whole park or just portions? 
I really don't remember anything being close to us. But the biggest draw at that point was Seven Dwarfs Mine Train was very new. And you were looking at wait times of Galaxy at Galaxy's Edge now, where you were 100 to 130 minutes. I mean, not as bad as Galaxy's Edge, but, you know, the wait times were just prohibitive. If you got in line for the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you weren't doing anything else that day at all. And so that was the, you know, the standout for me was, oh, my goodness, I might actually get to, to ride this ride that I've been dying to ride in my last several trips. And I just couldn't justify standing in line. I couldn't score a fast pass. I couldn't justify standing in line and was really excited about that. But we rode all of our favorite rides. And so I don't remember really anything being closed to us off the top of my head. And was it one of those ones that sort of stays open till, I don't know, like midnight or one in the morning, something like that? It was one in the morning, but you could enter it right around seven. Disney's really good about letting you go into the park before the park is actually closed. So you get that bridge time between, you know, you get in the park, you get acclimated, you settle in, and then you just get to stay. You have a special lanyard or a special wristband on that that identifies you as, as being part of the additional party and you just get to stay. And so you basically, we were able to walk onto the rides. There was no wait time on anything. We rode Seven Dwarfs twice in a row. You just stayed on it, which is unheard of. It's also unlimited bottled beverages and ice cream. And so every time you got off of a ride, there was a cart there with happy cast members that were like, hey, would you like an ice cream? Would you like a drink? Would you, you know, what can we give you? And they were just, you know, just pushing these things on you. And I was like, oh, my favorite are the fruit bars. And I was trying to decide, do I want the mango fruit bar? Do I want the strawberry fruit bar? And the cast member was like, you should take both fruit bars eat them at the same time. And so there was just, you know, we were like, oh no, we, you know, we already have a half a soda and they're like, oh no, put this one in your backpack, you know? And so they just were, you know, so nice. And, and you know, you just, ate so much ice cream and drank so much soda and just rode all of these rides. And the streets were just empty. The ability to to really see the photo opportunities for you to have where, you know, you could stand in front of the castle and there weren't a million people in your pictures. And, you know, to go up and, and outside of, of the Beauty and the Beast, you know, at Gaston's Fountain and Pose and, and the things like that were also super, super fun. That's awesome. Sounds like a great first experience. What about you, Greg? How did you find out about these, at least from the start? When we took our first trip back, I didn't realize how much Disney had changed because it had been almost a decade and how much I had underplanned. So we had a lot of fun, but realized that we were not ready <laughs> for everything we could have done. So after that, I really started spending a lot more time keeping tabs on what's going on with Disney. So, you know, websites like Touring Plants and other places. So then you learn about all the different offerings through the different blogs and websites. And on the next trip, we went back. It was Christmas time. So we went to the Christmas party and that was our first taste of a party event. And it was just a blast. We had fun. The decorations were awesome. The snow on Main Street was super cool. And just the access to the rides, the limited lines, the parades that were different that you don't get typically. It just made the event so much more fun. That's really cool. I didn't realize that they did a separate parade during the Christmas party, different from the the regular parades. Wow. Yeah. They, once it gets closer to Christmas, they will do that parade, I think, as their normal parade because they stopped doing the parties closer to Christmas because there's just enough people there. But yeah, it's a, it's a different parade and it's, it's really neat. Cool. And do they have specialty foods for the Christmas parties as well? 
So what I remember about the food is that, you know, some of that, they had some free food and I know they had drinks. Some of it was just kind of regular sugar cookies they were giving out. It was, it was okay. It was just a pretty typical cookie. From a food perspective, we much prefer the Halloween party. The Halloween party, they've really increased the different offerings they have, plus the trick-or-treating. We have had bags and bags and bags of candy that when we get back home, we still have it for months <laughs> later. It's kind of ridiculous. And for the Halloween party, just to stop for a second there, when you say bags and bags and bags of candy, my understanding is we're talking about full-size candy bars. Like they're not handing out trick-or-treat style candy. They're handing out like you just walk up to like a barrel or something and take as much as you kind of want. Yeah, it's a blend of both. When you first get there and you enter, they give you uh, kind of like a, a starter pack of candy and has a good amount and some full-size bars. And then you'll go to trick-or-treat spots and they just start loading you up. And as the night goes on, they start loading you up more and more. And <laughs> it's it's funny because it's weird. Our son does not like candy, but he got obsessed with getting candy. So we went to every trick-or-treat stop multiple times. I didn't know how we were going to get it back home, to be honest. But yeah, you, you you will have no problem walking away with tons of candy at the Halloween party. Let's, let's sort of maybe step back a second and talk about some of the things that are included or some of the, the things that happen at these parties. So so food wise, what, what's your experience has been with the, the food? Some of the fun foods during those special events, I'm a big lover of things that make me feel special, things that are exclusive, like things that I wouldn't be able to get any other time. So if, if there's a Christmas cupcake, I'm going to try the Christmas cupcake. If there's, you know, a, a drink that's only offered during a certain time that you're there, I want to have it. I was with some friends that had done the Gary party as well as the Very Merry party. And they were of the same opinion that if they had to choose between the Halloween party and the Christmas party, that they would choose the Halloween party hands down, that that was a better experience for them. I thoroughly enjoyed the sugar cookies and the hot chocolate I thought was to die for. It was like the best hot chocolate, almost like you had melted milk chocolate and were drinking it straight out of a cup. It was, it was fabulous. And that was at several locations, several restaurants. You just basically went in, walked up to the counter and and we're like, hi, can I get some hot chocolate and a cookie? And they handed it to you. And I, I just really enjoy having, you know, that special Christmas cupcake, that special souvenir that that is is themed to the the party and is exclusive to you because you attended that. It's not something that you can get online or something you can get in, a, in one of the other stores. You have to actually be at the event. You're segueing there into sort of merchandise for a second. That's also a good thing to talk about for these special events. A lot of times for kind of the more themed events, I would say, not the sort of just regular after hours parties in my experience, but more of the themed events, they'll have sort of some special merchandise out. And so I'm wondering, Greg, have you seen special merchandise around the parks at the the after hours events? And what, you know, what kinds of things are you seeing? Is it, is it interesting? Is it good stuff? Or has it been, you know, just kind of meh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I think for us a lot of it has probably been meh. We we don't end up buying a ton of of merchandise probably when we're in the parks. I remember at the villains after hours, the after hours are a lot of fun and that one had some pretty interesting merchandise. It was villains themed. So that was a little bit different. Villains after hours though, they started doing a lot of themed treats. And I know the one both my wife and I loved. It was our favorite. Uh, over at Liberty Square, you could get this Dr. Facilier. It was this chocolate peanut butter tart. And it, it was one of those things where we had to get two of them because there were just was not going to be sharing. <laughs> and, and it was delicious. And I remember we were looking at the theme treats for the villains after hours this year. And when it was not on the list, we were both bummed thinking, oh, no, they, the, the, the delicious item we had is no longer there. 
but they just replace a lot of it with new stuff. And so it is nice that when, you know every season when they're doing these new uh, or these events over again, you get to try something new. Yeah, at the at the Pixar Pier night we did, they had themed churros mm-hmm. out and about. Yeah, kinds. a couple of different. Well, it was like four different stands with different churros, and there was the one stand that had some sort of cake. I can't remember what it was. It looked great in the picture, and then when you saw how big it was coming out of the window, you're like, I can't possibly eat that. It it's looked so kind huge. of like a ginormous Twinkie. Is the best way to describe what it looked like. We, they, we didn't we didn't end up buying it because it was just it looked huge were they giving away were they giving away there's no the churros were a cost but i don't remember them giving away any food so so that's i was just going to point that out so we've done an the event at hollywood studios the after hours event and that one had exactly what you guys have been talking about the popcorn the ice cream bars the fruit bars bottled water bottled soda all of that included and they were giving it out as much as you want whenever you wanted it right and they had those carts kind of you know stationed all over the morning event did not have that in Magic Kingdom, but it had a included breakfast. And at the included breakfast, you could get like as much as you wanted of- And it was a pretty good breakfast. Yeah, you could get as much as you wanted of soda and coffee and breakfast. And part of it was a buffet and part of it was a plated breakfast, but they weren't like checking how many times you went up if you wanted to keep going up over and over again. But the events that we did at Disneyland at Pixar Pier, which was, it was a Pixar night, that one did not have any food included. That one had specialty kiosks like they have for like food and wine. Well, and to loop back to something that Greg was saying about the merchandise, I think that was our biggest, one of our biggest disappointments or letdowns from that evening was we were sort of looking forward to seeing some of this special event Pixar merchandise that they were going to have. And it turned out to be a cup and a, a, a turvis, a turvis tumbler or a t-shirt and neither one of them oh, were very, no. were very yeah. inspiring. And I've got more than enough turvis tumblers for my Disney cruise line adventures. So I just like, I'm like, I don't, yeah. we didn't need it. To go from the low light to the highlight, I think one of the highlights of these events are the character meets and opportunities that can come. Now, I don't know. Pixar Pier Night had a theme, and so they had tons of characters out, Pixar characters out, and usually it's like either rare characters. They had Wally and Eve. They had Remy and Emile. They had the whole cast of Up, basically. They had the Onward characters. Another thing to point out is they had them all together, which is also pretty rare. Like you're, You usually don't get off Officer Hops and Nick Wilde together, you get them one at a time. And so the photo op with like the entire cast of Up is is a rare thing. Greg, let me start with you on this one. Sort of character opportunities at these events. I'm assuming Villains After Hours probably had some good good opportunity there. So Villains had a lot of cool characters and so does the Halloween party. Just a lot of interesting characters that you won't see at other times. And, you know, Jack Skellington and you can get all all the dwarves are out. I will say we, we tend not to focus on the characters as much because some of them for those parties that's what can get a very long line and in our family we're kind of ride junkies we'll sit there and think okay we could stand in line an hour and see the character or maybe we could ride face mountain and buzz lightyear and the people mover in 30 minutes but one of the really cool things about the villains after hours that we weren't expecting was that when you leave at the night they have all of these villains many of them are, are a little more obscure uh, waving at you good uh, goodbye and kind of mocking you uh, really because they were being their their traditional villain selves so they're they're teasing you and telling you to get out when you're leaving the park from the train station so that was really fun 
And Lisa, at the event you did, did you experience any of the sort of special characters? During the Christmas party, um, we did get in line for many of the of the characters for that. I was with friends that had an annual pass, so they had the memory maker. And so we did take copious amounts of photos during the Christmas. And I kind of feel like there's a difference between your clientele for the after hours and your clientele for the parties. They're, they're such different experiences. Really, the after hours parties seem to be more, you know, ride focused and you know, get in there and, and get all the things done that you wouldn't normally get to do during the day. Whereas the party is more of a party atmosphere where you're looking into, you know, characters that are themed for that. And, and everything revolves around a theme. Food revolves around a theme. Characters revolve around a theme. The, the park's decorations revolve around a theme. And so I think it's a different clientele for both. I know Sam mentioned going to the one in the morning and having the breakfast, which I, that's not something that I would want to do because I don't want to sit down and have breakfast when I could be going on rides. I want that time my my whole purpose of paying that extra is to be exclusive and to get on a ride and, and ride Seven Dwarfs two or three times or get on Splash Mountain and do that. And so it's a totally different environment than wanting to go to a, a party and and enjoy that party and and get the photos and have the memories and get the merchandise and, and do all the things. It's really, they're, they're two different things, even though they're both ticketed after hours events, they're, they're very different and they have very different feels. So I think the distinction you're drawing is really good because like Pixar Pier Night was a party. Villains After Hours is a party. I've, they had it at Disneyland too this year. And I think the people who come to those typically are looking for like, I want to get the character experience and the food and the, the maybe the atmosphere of that party. And, and so like, I think Sam and I for Pixar Pier didn't get in line for a ton of rides. We bounced from character meet to character meet because we knew we'd never get another chance to sort of meet those characters. And we're standing in line with people who were all dressed up for the character meets and we're just super and so it was, it was that kind of party atmosphere, whereas I agree with the after hours event we did at Hollywood Studios. How do I get on these rides? Because we're, we're, we're actually leveraging it the night before we got on a cruise and we're like, we're not going to get to Hollywood Studios again uh, this trip. So we're going to get in, stay up a little later and then go to bed and, and hit the cruise the next day. But, you know, at the after hours event, there weren't a ton of characters that I saw. Although Lisa, to go back for a second, I will attempt to persuade you that that early morning oh, yes. event is is awesome, and the, and the, the reason same. the reason being we rode Seven Doors Mine Train ten times in a row in an hour and still hit two or three other rides and could have gotten rope drop at Space Mountain and still had time for breakfast. So the way that that is all set up is that they serve breakfast for an hour past normal park open. So once the crowds have come in and the rides are starting to fill up with lines. That's when you go get that's breakfast. When you, go, you, you, you do your rides when there's there was like no one there. We were literally getting off of Seven Dwarves, walking through a little turnstile that they had opened up and like immediately back in. And we rode up front. We rode <laughs> like I have 10 pictures of us on Seven Dwarves. I, I started joking. Our son the, loves that. I started joking <laughs> with the cast member. Do you have a frequent flyer program that we can take advantage of? And so our son loved that ride. So unlike after hours at Pixar, our peer or Hollywood studios, I actually thought the early morning event was seriously more limited in terms of the number of people. Now, the difference is it's only fantasy land. Yeah. So you're only going to get on, but we did seven doors, 10 times. We did Peter Pan. We did Winnie the Pooh. I think mm-hmm. we could have done small world. We could have done the carousel. And we actually ate breakfast and then bounced out of that park and went over to animal kingdom, I think for the rest of the day. At Pixar Pier Night, we could have had dinner, like the restaurants were open, and I would not have scheduled dinner 
in the midst of the Pixar Pier night because you would have missed everything. Let me go back over to Greg for a second. Greg, what, what's your experience been like with the crowds? Because my sense is it's actually fairly variable at some of these events, meaning sometimes it can feel like you're not waiting in line for three hours for a ride, but it may not feel like you're getting right on the ride either. You may still have to kind of stand in line. Um, it's not walk on. But w- what's your experience been with sort of the ride line since you mentioned that your family is really the roller coaster and attraction kind of junkies? Yeah, you're right. They it, it depends on the event. You can still have a, a reasonable weight on some of these. And so especially at the the Halloween parties, really, we've been doing that every year for the past few years. Many of the main attraction rides will still have a decent weight, you know, maybe even 30 minutes for something like Space Mountain or even longer for Seven Dwarves. So sometimes we'll kind of save one of those maybe for the very end when the lines are getting a little bit shorter. We just kind of go to, okay, what has a pretty short weight? So we might write Buzz a few times and then go over and do Dumbo. And, and who knows what. But I would say for pretty premier ride access, the after hours are pretty good for that. But it also had a lot more activity going on. So the hub was packed with a lot of people because they had this party going on all night and they had a, a very a, a pretty cool villain stage show. I mean, you see it once and you've probably seen it enough, but there was bigger attendance there. I would say if you go to a non-themed after hours at the Magic Kingdom, the ride access was phenomenal there. But generally, the Halloween party is much better than during the day, right? Access, there's no fast pass, so that helps clear up a lot of things. But you still have some weight. So don't expect that it's going to be walk-on for everything. One of the one of the big benefits, especially for those that stay on property to an after hours event is you can kind of plan that into your vacation and, and almost take that as a rest day because the ticket to, to that event is going to be, you know, comparable to a day in the parks or if not, maybe a little bit less. I'm not I'm not really up on park ticket prices since I said I, I'm military. So ours are a little bit a different priced here, but you can take that day and plan, you know, so, you know, depending on the park you choose, if you've done Epcot, you've done Animal Kingdom. Take that day to relax, play in the pool, get a nap, you know, get ready and then enter the park and really go through and hit those rides that you might not have gotten to do during the day if you had gone during the day. So it's, you know, it's part of a vacation strategy to to catch one of these after hours in the in the scheme of your vacation, building that in is a, is a specialty event for you. But having that time at your resort pool and, and that chill day that ends with just a really big bang. Yeah, that that comparison of the park ticket is a really good one to make. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about these after hours events, they sort of go, well, is it worth it if I'm already paying for a ticket or I'm an annual pass holder and I'm already can get into the parks? I I think you have to kind of do the value calculation yourself a little bit. I think there's a lot of pros to these events, meaning sometimes it's free, free snacks and great ride access and cool characters and that kind of thing. So they actually let you into the park. So the event runs from seven until one in the morning or eight until one or whatever it is, but they'll let you into the park a few hours early. I've seen them let folks into the park as early as five in the past. I mean, you talk about going into the parks from five o'clock in the evening until one o'clock in the morning, you're getting a full park day out of that ticket. And so, you know, plus all the extras in the potentially reduced crowds or at least more limited crowds. So I think there's a value to these things. And I think they're potentially a lot of fun. Let me shift gears for a second. We've talked a lot about the events. You guys also have experience with these dessert parties, which are kind of a a smaller microcosm of these events. Lisa, do you want to talk about what dessert parties are and maybe what they're not as compared to an after hours event? The dessert party is straight up to me, straight up indulgent over the top. (laughs) It is my resort. It's my, you know, top tier sit down restaurant 
dining, it's my specialty thing that just gives that extra punch to my vacation. If I want to celebrate something or if I want to spoil somebody, I'm going to take them to a dessert party. It is not something that I feel is the same as the after hours where I'm really feeling like I'm getting every single cent of my of my money. It's for me just pure up indulgence and just some, a way to spoil myself. You, you basically, it's usually a fireworks dessert party or in the case of Animal Kingdom, it's a Rivers of Light dessert party where you get included with your ticket, you get some sort of priority access to the show, whether it's a standing spot for the fireworks or a seated spot for the fireworks or VIP seating for the Rivers of Light. And then you get access for an hour before or an hour after the fireworks, this decadent dessert party with all these fun little Disney desserts and yummies. And they also have some savory snacks. I've heard rumors about cheeseburger egg rolls. I've not experienced this. <laughs> Trays of, of crackers and cheese and Mickey bars. And there's hot chocolate and coffee and water and punch. And so hot and cold drinks they have now added in several of the parks an alcoholic version, depending on which seating you go to, where you can have beer or wine. The Animal Kingdom one has like jungle punch, which is to die for. <laughs> so, so, but just you go and you just gorge yourself on these <laughs> amazing desserts and then you watch the fireworks and it's just a glorious way to top off a vacation. I have, usually we leave that to like the last night or two. It's kind of the culmination of our event and, and we do that and we just leave being, you know, just feeling like we've just had that extra special sprinkle of pixie dust that was just super extra special. Totally, totally in, in overindulgence, but I love it. Do you skip dinner? Always. <laughs> <laughs> no, do, do any of the dessert parties uh, that either of you've been to, is it that you have to leave the party and go someplace else to see the viewing? Or I, I feel like I've heard about a few maybe at the Magic Kingdom where you're actually like at the party watching the fireworks. So the, the, the Magic Kingdom has two. One has seating in kind of, it's not real grass, but the hub grass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and then they have another one where you're seated at a table. And so you watch from kind of an overhang at the Tomorrowland Terrace. On that one, we have only done the seating in the, in the hub area, which works really well, at least with mm -hmm. the new projection mapping that they do on the castle. Mm -hmm. so you, you get a really good kind of uninterrupted view of that. So you do move a little bit for that one. And then I know at Hollywood, Hollywood Studios. It's been a couple of years since we did that one. That one you walk, they walk you. Actually, it's really cool. So it's Star Wars themed. And so you're at the time you were in Launch Bay and you're eating this food and they have, you know, some alcoholic drinks and it's a lot of fun and you can meet characters. And then they have stormtroopers march everyone from launch bay over to where you're seated and i'm pretty sure they still do it that way and so that's pretty fun you that's know everybody's cool. just kind of walking in rows i'm not sure about the animal kingdom one at least if they have to move there i know the epcot one you're seated the area you get the food is the same place you watch the show from so the Animal Kingdom one is actually, they have a contingent for both. For the most part, it's supposed to be that the dessert buffet is set up right across from Expedition Everest and that's right above the VIP seating for the event. However, the time that I was able to go, it was raining. And so they moved us over to the covered patio of one of the restaurants and it had its positives and its drawbacks because there was more seating there at table seating, which you don't have 
have over in the VIP area normally. So there was some covered seating and, and you could sit and really enjoy. But unlike the normal party, you weren't able to partake in the desserts throughout the entire experience. And so you had to, you know, have your fill, then go watch. They did say, you know, you're welcome to come back afterwards, which we did, but they were really kind of cleaning up by the time we got back over. It was a ways away from the seating. So normally it would be right up behind the VIP seating and you could kind of, during the Rivers of Light, you could, you know, stand around and continue to eat or you could take food down in the VIP section. The cast members are really vigilant about making sure no one comes in there that's not supposed to. So it can go either way, depending on weather in the animal kingdom. Which dessert party would you say you liked best? Because it sounds like there's a lot of different options for these dessert parties. Which one was your favorite, Lisa? Magic Kingdom. Although I really <laughs> don't, I hope my mom's not listening. I really loved the Jungle Punch at the Animal Kingdom party and they gave us a big glass before we left and we Ubered. So <laughs> we were totally, and we had run, it was wine and dine weekend. We had run and we had totally earned the party and we had earned the beverages, the adult beverages. And we had taken an Uber to the park specifically because we knew that this had an alcoholic option, which I had not ever experienced before. And it was yummy and it was sneaky strong. So that was fun. But I was not as impressed by the selection of desserts at the Animal Kingdom as I was at the Magic Kingdom. It was, I think they tried to be a little bit more themed, like they were trying to be more earth friendly in their, in their theming. And it just wasn't, it was good, but it wasn't as good to me as the Magic Kingdom. I'll just take good, good old fashioned, you know, chocolate, everything that looks like Mickey or Tinkerbell (laughs) or whatever. So I think that the theming was broader at the Magic Kingdom. And so the Animal Kingdom seemed like it was a little bit more adult-ish than maybe the Magic Kingdom was. So Magic Kingdom for me, hands down, was my favorite. And I was the opposite of experience with Greg. I sat in the Tomorrowland Terrace rather than moving over to the hub. Both times that we've done it, we've we've sat in the terrace. And so you need to, if you were going to do that, you need to check in a little bit early. So it is some place where you're you are gonna miss park time because you you know you want to get in line because you want to get those tables that are up against the railing where you have an unobstructed view. There is some, you know, once the fire work start, people kind of move up. And if they've got their tables on the back, they stand up and come up towards the railing. But if you get there early and you can select one of those best seats so that you can you know, remain seated and in, in feeding your face during the whole thing, <laughs> <laughs> you are going to miss park time for that. But yeah, hands down, Magic Kingdom was, has been my favorite. And I'm looking forward to trying the, the Hollywood Studios one sometime in the future when we are allowed back in the parks. Two thoughts I have throughout this discussion. One is I hope these don't become a casualty of COVID. I suspect that in the near term, they probably won't do many of these or any of them just because I'm thinking about the sort of buffet Buffet style style. of desserts being out. That'll be tough for them to sort of manage. The the other thing I was just going to flag for our listeners is that these dessert parties sound amazing. I should point out that there's a way to have somewhat comparable experience at some of the parks associated with dining. And so, for instance, when Epcot was doing Illuminations, you could get an Illuminations dining package at a couple of the different restaurants that had a good view of the the lake that's out by um, World Showcase. you could get a dining reservation. So at, at one of the, the restaurants that overlooked the lake where they did illuminations. And so like we did an experience one time where we sat on the patio at the Rosen Crown pub right up against the railing at a table. And it was basically everyone down in that section of the restaurant and even one tier up, I think were there for this dining package. And so you ate dinner and then at the end of your dinner, fireworks happened and they had brought you desserts. So you're sort of finishing your dessert as the illumination show is winding down and you could, you could leave. So there are some opportunities 
to get these outside of just the dessert party context. There's also ways to get into, we, we talked on another show, some VIP seating for some of the parades and fireworks if you do certain tours at the at the Magic Kingdom. So like Keys of the Kingdom or Walk and Waltz Footsteps at Disneyland, those sorts of things. One of the perks is that you'll get onto a list where you can get into a VIP area for parades, the daytime parades and the fireworks if you want. So those are also other options to sort of get that special viewing. You know? I just want to ha- throw it back over to Greg because we asked Lisa her favorite dessert party and I know it's Greg's been to a, a few different ones, although not has not been to the Animal Kingdom one. But Greg, I'm wondering which one was your favorite? So I'd go with the Magic Kingdom as well. I think out of the ones we've been to, I think the value is also the best for the view. The food is really good. The ooey gooey toffee cake is amazing. If you like any sort of kind of like bread puddingy, creamy, indulgent, it's it's really good, chocolatey. And then just everything else they have is is wonderful and it's in a great spot, but I think the nature of the show that you're about to see makes the dessert party worth it more so than say if you're at Epcot where it's just much easier to catch a good view of the show and you won't have to necessarily camp out as long at a spot. So I'm curious uh Lisa because it's been one of the things I've always been I wasn't sure how was the view from Tomorrowland Terrace and the, where you have the overhang? My parents enjoyed the view immensely. We had a little bit of an issue. I, the first time I went, actually both times I went, I wasn't able to watch the fireworks, which is odd, but my husband is a veteran and he has a difficult time with fireworks and the proximity to the noise of the fireworks was disturbing for him. Mm, so sure. I, I really sat with him and so but my parents secondhand, I heard that it was phenomenal. They, you know, they could really see, but this was really pre-projection also. And again, this is secondhand, but I've heard that, that really the way that you do it with going to the hub is actually the, really the best at this point, because you can really see everything. And there's, there's not that many people in the hub and, and it's really a better viewing experience than it is from the terrace because the terrace is kind of a side long view. The fireworks are very clear, but you're, you're kind of viewing from the side. One of the things that we really want to try and that we haven't mentioned here before is there is one more dessert party that we we haven't talked about probably because I don't think either one of us have done it but there is a fairy works firework dessert party available at Walt Disney World as well and that's the one that we are going to try next for two reasons one because again you don't have to have a park ticket that's the only dessert party that doesn't require a park ticket because it's conducted outside from ticket and transportation. So you go in, you park, you go to the ferry, you get on same buffet, but it's also a further distance away. You're not going to see the castle. You're not going to see the illumination, but you're going to get a beautiful view of the fireworks over the bay. And so that's the one that we're going to try next because it'll be a little bit better for my husband, I think, because of the proximity and he can, you know, temper that a little bit better. But, but also again, because you're not paying for a park ticket and then this indulgent dessert ticket on top of it. So if we're going down for another event, say we visit a different world, like a wizard world, and we still (laughs) want to get our little bit of Disney magic into, we can take the time to do that. And so we're really looking forward to it. It, It's on our list. Clearly that's probably not going to happen in the the near future, but, but it is one of the things that we really have been been looking forward to. And and one of the reservations that we've had canceled for this year, but one that we're looking forward to doing in the future. Well, it's been great talking about all these special events. I'm going to throw it over to Sam. Now our shift gear is over to Sam's favorite portion of the show, which is wrap Rapid fire. Sam, you want to take it away? Yes. So if you've listened to our show before, at the end of every show, we do what's called rapid fire. And the most important rule of rapid fire is 
There are no wrong answers. So this means that we we are asking what are your favorites, your personal favorites individually. And so all of these questions are Disney focused. We'll start with what is your favorite Disney movie? Lisa, let's start with you. I'm going to have to say probably the one that's on. I am such a fan (laughs) that I would really rewatch any of them. But currently my favorites, because I'm in school and doing a lot of things, I like to have them on for a background. So current favorites are really Moana, Frozen 2, and all three of the Descendants movies because I just really love the music of those. And so I really love them not only for the, the story, but for the music as well. All right. What about you? Favorite Disney or Pixar movie, Greg? I'm going to go with Wreck-It Ralph. Nice. I love that one. We're uh, I'm a huge Vanellope fan, so. Yes. I can definitely get on board with Wreck-It Ralph. All right. Favorite Disney or Pixar character? Greg, we'll start with you this time. So for this one, I'm going to go with the genie. And are you thinking genie as in original Robin Williams genie? Or are you thinking genie as in live action Will Smith? OG Genie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, back to you, Lisa. Who's your favorite Disney or Pixar character? My answers are never simple with Disney, it seems, but I have long red hair and my husband's name is Eric. So Ariel has always (laughs) been a favorite, but I also really identify with Stitch, fierce family loyalty, but kind of a deep-seated naughty streak. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's a great answer. All right. Favorite Disney song. Let's start with you, Lisa. You know, right now, I have really liked the next right thing in Frozen 2. It just seems like it fits the environment and, and you know, we're having a hard time. And I just think that that's something to really hold on to is just, you know, just do the next right thing. Oh, I love that. All right, Greg, what's your favorite Disney song? That's a tough one. You know, this is where I'm not good. I don't pay as much attention to song names, but I'm I'm going to go with anything that Dwayne Johnson sings in Moana. Him singing cracks me up and it is just a lot of fun. Okay. Favorite park. So theme park, we're talking like um, Epcot, Magic Kingdom. Disneyland so, Paris counts. Is, oh yeah, sure. Uh, Tokyo counts too, if you've been to one of the other ones. Okay. So favorite park, Greg, we'll start with you. So we have only been to the Orlando parks, but I'm going to go with Magic Kingdom. Nice. I mean, it is classic. Lisa, what is your favorite park? Well, I had it on lock until Brian said that I could choose Disneyland um, Tokyo. And so now I'm I'm really torn because that park is visually stunning. Just amazing. But I still I'm going to go with Animal Kingdom. Okay, so let's move to favorite land. Any any land, any park doesn't have to be your favorite park. It could be inconsistent. So Lisa, we'll start with you. What's your favorite land? I couldn't narrow this down. I This is the question that took me. I went back and listened to all the episodes and this was the one that really stumped me. So I'm just going to go with the back left hand side of the Magic Kingdom, you know, where you can get pirates and Splash Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and the Haunted Mansion. So really that old school back corner with all the kind of classic rides. That's my favorite kind of adventure frontier critter country area. All right. Fair enough. All right. What about you, Greg? What's your favorite land? Uh, It has to be Tomorrowland. You're Space Mountain guy, I guess. Uh, Space Mountain, People Mover. I could be in that. And and the soundtrack that's back there, I don't even know what type of music it is, but that the theming for me, I could hang out there all day. Okay. Favorite newer attraction. So modern attraction, and you can define however you want. So we'll start with you, Greg. What's your favorite newer or modern attraction? 
Uh, so for this one, I'm going to go with Tower of Terror. That one is so much fun. And the random nature of the drops now, it, you just never know. We actually had, the last time we went on it, we took our son. He won't ride it anymore. But it dropped. And I'd never seen this before where it, you know, when you, when at the end of it, it starts to do the kind of the gates open up and it starts to play a little bit of the Twilight Zone music. It started that process and then it yanked us back up. Oh, um, wow. Which I'd never experienced that. And it, and it totally, it threw me for a loop, which I was not expecting because I've been on it so many times. And yeah, that ride, it is awesome. Lisa, what about you? Your favorite newer attraction? Kilimanjaro Safari. It is a great one. It is a great one. That ride is legit different every time because you never know what's going to approach the, the Jeep. You don't, yeah, it's just, it hands down, that's my favorite. Yeah. Except, you know, the ostrich egg is never going to have cracked. all right we'll we'll uh take it over to favorite classic attraction lisa we'll start with you old school matterhorn at disneyland nice what about you greg space mountain yeah that i I think we think of that as classic you greg you have to get to disneyland man space mountain at disneyland is a whole nother thing so yeah (laughs) yeah i i want to yeah it's on our it's on our to-do list Okay, favorite restaurants, and I want to do a sit down and a quick serve, but I'll ask you to give it to us both at once. So, so Greg, let's start with you. Favorite sit down restaurant and favorite quick serve restaurant. So, favorite sit down, I'll go with California Grill, and then favorite quick serve, I'll go with Satuli Canteen. Yes, yes, and yes. Lisa, favorite sit down. Re- I know you don't eat in the parks a ton, but favorite sit down restaurant, favorite quick serve, if you have one. I do. So favorite quick serve. We really love the waffles at Sweet at Sleepy Hollow. That's just super fun for us. We usually go, we get one sweet and one savory, and then we share them. So that's a nice treat. And sit down. Ours is different in, in that it's again kind of that indulgent thing. We like to start our vacation in Disneyland at Goofy's Kitchen. And at Disney World at Chef Mickey's. And that's our kickoff. We go to breakfast on the first morning and we have the buffet and the characters, and especially if we're taking someone new, like we took Eric's sister and brother-in-law and their kids. And, and so we took them to Chef Mickey's. And it's it's just kind of our tradition that when you go to, the, to Disneyland or Disney World with us for the first time, especially if you have children, we are going to take you to that restaurant so that you can just start off that super magical experience with all of the characters and all of the Disney foods. And, and that's how we start ours. So that's our favorite sit down. Okay. So favorite park snacks, Greg, let's start with you. What is your favorite park snack? Yeah, this is a tough one. We love to get the cookies that are back in the big top tent in Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. They have just these really, they're huge cookies. And they have this one that's chocolate and peanut butter. And if you can't tell, I love that combination. <laughs> so that and a, and a goofy glacier, I am set. Oh, nice. Lisa, what is your favorite park snack? My favorite park snack is the Dole Whip. Any shape, flavor, color. I like the specialty ones. I like the classic ones. But the Dole Whip float is something that I have to have every time I go. Although during the Food and Wine Festival, load me up a gift card and I'll snack on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Okay, favorite Disney souvenir. So Lisa, let's start with you. What's your favorite Disney souvenir? Okay, I have things that I collect and and things that I've done, but 
my son was in the Navy and stationed in Japan. So we did go to Tokyo Disney last spring before all of this mess. And in Japan, the special snack for them is is popcorn. And it comes in all these different flavors, um, weird flavors like, well, weird to, to me, like shrimp and, and things like that, but amazing flavors like cinnamon and chocolate and things. But their popcorn buckets are to die for. And so I have an old school black and white steamboat Mickey popcorn bucket from Tokyo Disney that I just adore. And if I had more space in my luggage, every popcorn stand has a different bucket. So it's not just a couple different ones like it is here. Like there's there's several that you could have come home with. There was an amazing Toy Story, Toy Chess, and just some neat things. But my Steamboat Willie popcorn bucket is, is hands down right now my absolutely favorite souvenir. Greg, what is your favorite Disney souvenir? We, uh, we get the ornaments every trip and we collect them for each resort that we've stayed at. We've stayed all over property. And then just anything that we find that we think is is nice and it strikes a tone with us, we grab. So we have a Christmas tree. It's probably 90% Disney ornaments. And then a couple other, you know, things that are sentimental and whatnot that you get from your kid. But yeah, for us, it's ornaments. Okay. The last question is your favorite Disney experience or moment. Greg, we'll start with you. So one of my favorite moments is probably, it's really kind of silly. It was actually at the Disney After Hours and it was the summer Incredibles 2 came out because Tomorrowland, they were playing Incredibles theme music all summer. And it was about one in the morning. We're getting ready to walk out. And all of a sudden our son, and he was five, I think five at the time, there's this duck and he starts chasing this duck through the queue to the Astro Orbiter. And the duck is, the duck just keeps weaving in and out. And so all of a sudden he's having to duck and go under and the, and the duck is dodging him. <laughs> but when, when you, when you pair that with the Incredibles 2 soundtrack, <laughs> it's just the perfect movie and the, and the perfect activity where he's chasing this duck and he can't keep up with them because he keeps going places that he can't get. And I think it's just one of those Disney memories where it really had nothing to do with a ride or anything specific. But it was just one of those great family moments you have that, you know, we were lucky we got on video and it's just a treasured memory for us. Oh, that's so cute. OK, Lisa, your favorite Disney memory. I think probably the most bittersweet, uh, good memory, I think for me is in 2003, my husband was deployed to Iraq and I just couldn't handle doing Thanksgiving at home. There was just, it was too many memories. It was just too, it was just too much. I got a wild hair and we loaded up my parents' Explorer and my brother and I, and my mom and dad drove down to Disney and spent Thanksgiving at Disney. And we were able to snag my niece for a day and took her into the parks and she was 11 months old, just learned how to walk. And I had gone in and bought her a little pink 2T t-shirt with all the, the Disney princesses on it and rolled the sleeves up so it would fit her. <laughs> and we were sitting watching the parade and just to watch her face as she she just twisted back and forth and clapped and, and she her I mean her smile and her eyes and the princesses would specifically wave to her because she was so freaking adorable <laughs> and just just watching Disney through someone else's eyes I mean it's magical for me but that was just so much more than I ever imagine it could be. And, but that was just the first time that I really got to see the magic through a child's eyes and it was just absolutely precious. That's really cool. 
So first I want to say thank you for your service, Lisa, and to your husband, Eric, for his service to our country as well. And then I want to thank both of you guys for being on the show tonight. It's been really fun talking all things Disney with you, but in particular talking Disney ticketed special events. It's been really great. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Thank you very much. I was super excited to be asked to, to be on here and I'm just, it's just been so great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed learning more about Disney themed events with Greg and Lisa. Those dessert parties are sounding really tempting. We haven't had a chance to check one out ourselves, so definitely want to do that in the future. But if you get a chance to experience one of these events, they're a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun meeting characters, riding rides, just experiencing kind of a special night at Disney or a special morning at Disney. So definitely check them out and let us know when you do, because we'd love to hear what your experience was like. So with that, I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. We are releasing this episode on Christmas Eve, so I hope everyone out there has a safe and healthy Christmas and that uh, you have a lot of fun too on the day. I know it's a little bit weird this year, a little bit different, but uh, have fun, stay safe. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. With that, I do want to say thanks for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also be sure to leave us those five-star written reviews over at Apple Podcasts. They're really helpful in surfacing our show to people who might be looking for our kind of content. We don't have a review to read on the air this week, so head over there and leave us a review this week and you will be on the air next week more than likely so love those reviews if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo you can also head over to the dcl duo channel on youtube for even more great content or join our dcl duo vlog and podcast facebook group for some conversations with like-minded disney cruisers the dcl duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with disney cruise line the walt disney company or the walt disney family of theme parks the views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have a question about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night and Merry Christmas. Christmas.